Hey, gang, have you heard about the 80s cruise? The newest voyage has been postponed from 2021 to 2022, but the lineup remains the same. Are you ready for it? The Human League, 38 Special, Berlinda Carlisle, Berlin, Morris Day and the Time, ABC, John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band, Modern English, <gasps> Jack Russell's Great White, Dire Straits, Legacy of Flock of Seagulls, The Alarm, Sugar Hill Gang, and Johnny Hates Jazz. Why is my voice getting loud when I run out of air? I don't know. MTV original VJs Nina Blackwood, Mark Rubin, and Alan Hunter return with us, your friends from Stucky in the 80s who will host trivia, conduct live podcasts, and generally write more promos like this until you all agree to come along. If you've never been on the cruise before, use the promo code STUCK to get $200 cabin credit. You must use the code when you book, and you must be a first-time booker to use it. Find out more at the80scruise.com. Now on with the show. Travel back in time to the 80s. Reliving the shenanigans. It was the early 80s, and sex was still a good way to meet new people. The disappointment. That's a real shame when folks be throwing away a perfectly good white boy like that. And the self-confidence. I'm six foot, three inches tall, and maintain a very consistent panda bear shape. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Sure, it's not 1985 right now, but who knows what tomorrow will bring. Welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears. And Brad in LA. And today we continue our Close But No Cigar series of shows with the songs that hit number two in the year 1983, but got no further. Stuck in the 80s is now listener-supported via Patreon. Join us for VIP Zoom happy hours and more when you join at patreon.com slash stuckinthe80spodcast. You can find our podcast on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher. Look at the device you're listening to it on right now and see what you're using. You can use that too. And via our website at www.sit80s.com. So uh, this is what it's like to start a podcast without a script. Wow, this is a novel concept for me. <sighs> I feel, like, I feel like I'm floating in the sensory deprivation tank. It's fantastic. <laughs> oh, uh, Maybe it's just that hot in here. I don't know. It's 117, right? It's 117 here right now, yeah. And maybe it's cooled down to 116. You know, it's still, I believe the technical term is hot as balls. It's hot. Damn hot. Real hot. Hot of this is my shorts. I can cook things in it. Before we get any further, we really do need to thank Chuck Coverley for supplying us with this almost endless well of shows to draw from it has been amazing to have this fun topic i mean and it's not just like oh there's a bunch of stuff here there's a lot of fun stuff to talk about in this one so thanks yeah. chuck good job dude chuck's busy with his etsy store selling uh masks and headbands and everything else we'll put a link to it in the show notes uh definitely check it out he's one of our favorite people but like brad said this series goes back a ways i think we started it in the <laughs> In the early 1800s, and we're now up to 1983. But how it kind of yeah, works. I love that one where we had Mozart getting held out of the top spot. Oh, yeah. It was so great. The stories. 
I'm sure it all turned out well for him, so it's all good. The the idea is that, as Chuck discovered, there's a, a long history of songs that are fantastic, monumental hits, career makers, and yet the one thing they didn't quite achieve was the number one spot on the Billboard 100. So... To that end, he has compiled a spreadsheet of these songs. And we've been going year by year, and we've been calling them the close but no cigar songs because they got the number two and no further. So we'll tell you a little bit about that song. And, of course, we'll tell you about the villainous tune that kept them from achieving their truest dreams. Boo-hoo. Sound good? Boo-hoo. <laughs> All these millionaires, yet... Mm crushing defeat at the hands one plaque that's missing they've got a little yeah. space on the mantle for that, that sorry one thing. Says, <laughs> says the two guys who have a podcast and you know out of our garage <laughs> so. oh my gosh it's probably 130 in my garage i can't even imagine it's 97 here in florida just so you know but um still unpleasant not, not breaking out the blankets just yet i'm gonna get things started today in march of 1983 this song Reach number two, but got no further. Yep, that's Do You Want to Hurt Me by Culture Club. Keep in mind, I left out the Culture Club. It's Culture Club. Is it? Oh, I appreciate that level of detail. You also yeah. left out really, but who's keeping score? Exactly. Did I say that wrong? <laughs> you, you said, do you want to f- hurt me? And now you want to hurt me for calling out oh, that well, you now, said, yeah, do you want to hurt me? It. That's do you really want to hurt me by Culture Club. Now I got nothing to say. Brad, what do you remember about this song? Uh, I remember not liking it. <laughs> if I'm blunt, I remember not being a big fan. I remember thinking, okay, here's the problem. 1983 rolls around. I don't think this song even was on my radar. And I remember going to the record store, and they had a button there that said, do you really want to hurt me? And then underneath it, it said, yes, I do. And I I was kind of going through (laughs) my punk phase at the time. Oh, do you have one of those buttons, Steve? I wish I did. But I was going through my punk face, so I bought it and I put it on my jean jacket as as was the custom. And I remember people coming up to me saying, oh, I didn't really figure you as a Culture Club fan. I did not know what they were talking about. Like, yeah. I think 1983, I don't think we had yet gotten the MTV uh, or the Mm. cable in the Spears abode. You were still still reliant on your mom's coworkers' occasional six-hour tapes. Exactly. Good memory. Very good memory on Brad Williams. Anyway. Do You Really Want to Hurt Me, as I like to pronounce this song, <laughs> was written and recorded by Culture Club. It was a single actually released in September 82 huh. off their debut album, Kissing to be Clever. It was their first number one hit in the UK. Why is Steve emphasizing these syllables? We do not know. The test will be back from the doctor sometime <laughs> in the next week, folks. Yes. <laughs> it's not COVID. In the US, uh, it was released in November, and it didn't really hit or... Let's say it didn't achieve its highest claim to fame until March of 83 when it reached number two for three straight weeks. Yeah, baby. So in 2007, Boy George said the song was, quote, not just about Culture Club's drummer John Moss, my boyfriend at the time. It was about all the guys I dated at that time in my life, unquote. Good. Hmm. Now we know. So there you go. What was the villainous song 
that dared to keep out this anthem of the early 80s. We're getting into blockbuster territory here. Yeah. 1983 had some big tunes, so I'm going to guess it's one of those. Yeah, is this the man who wrecked the buffet at the Harrow Club this morning? Not exactly. It was this song by Michael Jackson. Catchy. It really is. The bass line is... Oh. It's my least favorite song on that album, but that doesn't matter. It's, wait, really? Yeah. It was over like this... Wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You like this better? No, no, no. I'm sorry. It is is one of my least favorite songs from Thriller. I like the other tunes better. I'm not saying I like Do You Really Want to Hurt Me more than Michael Jackson. Uh, Okay, still. No, I wasn't thinking it that way. Do you you like this better than the duet with uh, Chuckles from the Beatles? Okay. Yeah, you got me on that one. God, I hate that. Okay, I'm sorry. I try not to say hate because hate is a strong word, but I strongly dislike that duet. Yeah, there's there's some dogs, but overall, a fantastic album. Oh, Billie yeah. Jean, just a little overplayed for my taste. So, anyway, that is the first offering I have from 1983. The second one is a little bit more infamous. Is it? Let's see if you remember this hit. Jeopardy by the Greg Kin Band from his album Kinspiracy. Like all of his oh. albums had Kin in it. It was it was, it was catchy. You know, I I respect the the effort that he took to write all the words to this one instead of just throwing in the ha 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 in there. Good job, Greg. You know what's fun is we we interviewed him. Gosh, I don't know, like twelve years ago on the podcast, long time ago. Yeah, yeah, and it was a really fun interview because I mean, at the time he was a he was, and I think he might still be an FM radio DJ. Oh yeah, so he he can think fast on his feet, but he had great stories about all these songs, and he at the time was putting out a collection of of his music, and it had some of the songs you just you know that didn't hit the radio, and what I really right. found is that I liked them better. Interesting. Yeah. So if you ever get a chance to to download like the best of the uh, Greg Kinban, I highly recommend it. So so let me let me just say, if if ever you are listening to this show and you think, wow, Brad and Steve are really quick on their feet too, it's not because we are radio DJs. It's because we can edit the crap out of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, and we do. You want to hear my voice go really deep now? Here it goes. Anyway, we digress a little bit about the song. It is the band's only top ten hit. Is it Seems really? Kind of to yeah. Weird, huh? Huh. It hit number one on the dance charts, which you don't really think of this as being a dance song. No. Well, you know, it was a different time. Maybe we should go back and look at the dance charts from the early eighties to see what's there. The future wife and I have been considering the songs for our uh for our future wedding and maybe maybe we have underestimated this the is power not it. of Jeopardy. This is not it, dude. Have you seen this video? <laughs> yeah, the video is probably more famous than the song, right? Yeah, I think all of his videos. I mean, he did a really great job on MTV. Yeah, he, you can tell he had fun with it. Of course, we all know Weird Al did his own version in 1984. I lost on Jeopardy. That mm, sounds so a good. little bit like this.
That's right, Al. You lost. And let me tell you what you didn't win. A 20-volume set of the Encyclopedia International, a case of turtle wax, and a year's supply of rice-a-roni, the San Francisco treat. But that's not all. You also made yourself look like a jerk in front of millions of people. And you brought shame. This was a great video, too, by the way. Weird Al was so good about that. We're full yeah. of praise today. It doesn't feel like us at all. I, well, I feel, I feel like know, we're being overly sincere. Don't worry. <laughs> I'll save some vitriol for later. Okay. Well, anyway, go watch this video. It's fun. Um, Yankovic gets ejected from the uh, game show. Greg Kinn makes an appearance. Uh, Art Fleming and Don Pardo make appearances. It's it's a fun little video. Steve, you're you're loving on this, but I need to know what blocked this chart classic from making it all the way to number one. Here it is. Michael Jackson's beat it. Man, the guy's a bully. Yeah, he is. Clearly, something needs to be done. Mm. <laughs> hey, if the uh, merry-go-round wasn't feeling a little um, repetitious already, my third pick, not a pick, this is a fact. This is a fact-based yeah, We show. didn't choose these. They chose us. We yeah. didn't choose these songs. In June, this song by Culture Club also reached number two, but no further. That's time, a.k.a. Clock of My Heart. Um, Clock of My Heart, by the way, is one of the terms I would never use for the rejected titles of my potential autobiography someday. Clock of My Heart. Yeah. I think I like this song a little bit more than the first one we've talked about, but I'm just I'm not a I'm just not a culture club fan. Sorry guys. You do you. Here's what's kinda of funny. I remember they came Culture Club when they reunited about oh, I'm gonna spitball and say five years ago. They reunited on a tour of North America and they came through Orlando. And I think I talked about this on the podcast before, but it doesn't matter. Um repetition. <laughs> but here it comes is again, our, folks. Here it comes again. <laughs> repetition is our game plan. They came through, and it, it was definitely during one of the single phases of my life. And I thought, well, this is this will be easy. Like, how hard would it be, or how expensive could it possibly be to get a good seat to see Culture Club at Hard Rock, which is a nice venue for a show? It's over in Universal Studios. Mm-hmm. If I just need one ticket, like I don't need just two. a single, yeah, it's yeah, just a single, one hundred and twenty dollars. Not happening. <laughs> so, was that from the box office, or is that secondary market? That was the box office. Okay. I wasn't going to drive. It's a it's a hike. I mean, I don't, I don't mean to be like a baby or anything, but it's... But yeah, we know your position on going to concerts It's at, yes. during the day, during the night, closed far. It's not yeah. on your list. That's fine. No, that's fine. But I'm just saying, clock on my heart, time, call it what you will. It came on the hills of, do you really want to hurt me? It sold like gangbusters in the UK. It sold gangbusters everywhere. In the United States, it came across the unmovable force we like to call Flashdance. Irene Cara, what are you doing stopping true genius from achieving its potential? You know... (laughs) 
Into every life, some rain must fall. I mean, Culture yeah. Club did have a number one hit eventually, didn't they? Uh, I'm sure they probably did. But um, the answer, Steve, re- is yes, Brad. Karma Chameleon hit number one. It did not. Did it really? I'm looking at it right now. I'm looking at the charts. Well, there you go. Later that year. That's one for the ages. Oh, Steve got one wrong in this week's show. That never happens. I'm having a weird day. It's okay. We're, we do two shows in two days. You just don't know yeah. what you're going to get, folks. The, the second show is always a little dark. It's a little. <laughs> well. Yeah, it's true. Tear the, the curtain aside a little bit. Uh, we the, the previous show that you're probably listening to uh, or still wishing you were listening to now is uh, was recorded less than 24 hours ago. And I just finished editing it like less than 24 minutes ago. So, yeah. But Let's just dear say, listener, um, you need content and we're getting it for you. Yeah, and we felt bad about the uh, the breaks that we took in August. Anyway, all music journalist Stuart Mason, according to Wikipedia, which is, of course, where we get all of our shit, said about this song, <laughs> quote, of all the Culture Club's early hits, time has probably aged the best. Boy George drops the cryptic self-mythology long enough to deliver a tender, heartfelt lyric on lost love, unquote. Hmm. There you go. Nice. Its greatness has been preordained. So. Excellent. I don't know. I mean, I don't remember Flashdance, what a feeling, topping the charts. But this is that weird time in the 80s where New Wave and Pop are kind of duking it out for the top of the charts. Everyone's still got a shot at the top. Yeah. I could be a contender. I just need to get in the top 40 and see what happens. The thing I think about when I think about Culture Club is I think about here's one of the first bands along with maybe Duran Duran that really is combines image and music kind of seamlessly. Very much so. Very much so. Yeah. And and also the other thing that occurs to me as far as chart topping, you still have – I think this is still probably in the heavy payola A&R man kind of era where, you know – the right envelope on top of the right turntable will get you the airplay you're looking for. Exactly. So what do you have, Brad? What's up your sleeve this week? Well, I got I got a trio of songs here to talk about. And first up is this little reggae-inspired jaunty trip through London. God, we gonna rock home to Electric Avenue. Yeah, that's Electric Avenue by Eddie Grant from his 1982 album, Killer on the Rampage, which is a great album title. Sounds like a metallic album. Yeah, it really does. Thanks to this thing called the MTV, the kids called it, the MTV. This is one of the biggest hits of 1983, and yet we are talking about it now, so it wasn't quite at the top of the game, as it were. The song itself refers to Electric Avenue, which is an actual street in South London. Look, we're giving you some culture, not just the Boy George kind, thank goodness. Uh, <laughs> Electric Avenue is a, is a street in Brixton, London. It was built in the 1880s and was the first to market street to be lit by, no, not the white hot passion of 1,000 Spearsies, but electric lights. Oh, wow. The song itself refers to the 1981 Brixton riot, which was a confrontation between the Metropolitan Police and protesters in Brixton in April of that year, it arose from social and economic problems in the U.K., I really had no idea that the song was specifically about that, but after a little reading, I I will say the situation likely seemed perhaps a little too close to home for anybody who's been following the news in the U.S. this summer. Yeah. I didn't know that. 
But uh, this was in the top 40 for 15 weeks, but it was stuck at number two for five weeks in July of 1983. Yes, five Saturdays in July of 1983, so five charts. The video is one of my least favorites. I remember this song primarily because of the video, because I, I, I know I've mentioned that in the dark ages when I lived in western Oklahoma, we didn't have MTV in my town, at least not before I left in 84. So I watched videos on Saturday, Friday and Saturday nights on night tracks on what was then WTBS, right? Sure. And so I would be in my room, I'd be home from my job working at the movie theater and have a giant bag of free popcorn and a giant jug of free Coke and I would sit there and eat popcorn and drink Coke and watch videos all night long. And when this would come on, which it always seemed to come on, I'm like, okay, if the next one sucks, I'm going to bed. So this is like the Canary in the Coal Mine video. If this came on, I was like halfway in bed already. I'm reminded when I hear this song about the movie Valley Girl. It, it plays during a party scene, and that's why it's stuck in my brain. I don't even think huh. it made the soundtrack, but it was a yeah, song that at least in a movie that was then full of a bunch of songs that I hadn't heard because I didn't live in California. Electric Avenue was one of the few that I had heard. Huh. So that's cool. Go. This will be familiar to you, Steve, but this was kept out by our good friend Irene Cara with What a Feeling. Hmm. Uh, which topped the charts for six weeks. And this song, this cheerful little song from the police. Yeah, Every Breath You Take was number one for eight weeks that year. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I wasn't a, I wasn't a big police fan back then, but I, I I grew to love them. Of course, by the time they had broken up and weren't touring anymore, and they weren't a threat to my. <laughs> oh, I have to go to the police concert tonight. Oh no, I don't have to. They're not together anymore. That's right. That's oh shame. wait, I couldn't get a ticket anyway. That was yeah. one of my mom's no weeks. No, Steve, you may not go. You always got to do that. You got to throw the gasoline on the fire. Like I'm having a good day. I'm not not feeling any uh, psychodramic repercussions from my childhood. And then you go and you throw the whole random no mom week thing at me and how do you think I know react it's good it's good I'm, I'm doing it for you listeners it's good radio it's good radio just stick around oh yeah oh yeah okay so speaking of low voice fm radio guys okay now folks we got another track coming out of our good friends from these guys from australia yeah i want to say they are they are good friends from australia let's take a listen to this baby and i don't know how you do it yeah, that's making love out of nothing at all by Air Supply. Oh, oh, is this the best power ballad of all time? It's in the conversation. Oh, any of their songs, really? Well, some more than others. This was their new single, quotes, you can't see me doing the quotes, on their 1983 Greatest Hits release, which is, I think that's a gamble, don't you? Like a what, new, track, new track, Greatest Hits compilation? It's been done, but not usually successfully. Yeah, I can think of, actually, funny, we're going to talk about it again, it's going to come up, but the only, the one that immediately comes to mind is Tonight She Comes by The Cars. But in, mm. in this case, I mean, damn, they crush this. They crush this. It is, on the one hand, it is pure cheese with a z it is just nachos from the drive-in but oh my god 
they they hit their spots. Everything is right in this. Can I just interrupt and say that your infatuation with drive-in food is beginning to worry me a little bit? It's a fond memory. What can I say? The song was written and produced by Jim Steinman, which when you hear that, it all kind of comes together, right? Uh Makes sense. Check out the lyrics here that Steinman wrote. This is towards the end of the song. The beating of my heart is a drum and it's lost and it's looking for a rhythm like you. You can take the darkness from the pit of the night and turn it to a beacon burning endlessly bright. Oh my gosh, that is freshman composition crap there, but it works. <laughs> you know you know what's funny though? Give that song to Meatloaf, he sings it just as well. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. And I, I think um Bonnie Tyler covered this later too. Yeah, although, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. give it to yeah. anybody who who did Jim Steinem things and you will find they can all perform it to near perfection that's what's so godlike yeah. about him and, and this is not maybe not exactly their swan song but it is their last blockbuster hit again since it's 1983 let's talk about the video do you remember this video steve oh yeah in fact there's a literal video that's even better <gasps> there's a literal video oh i gotta see that because so there are two versions of this video there's one where there's a couple wandering around new york city and they're going on dates and who cares boring let's talk about the one where graham russell is heading out on tour and his girlfriend dumps him on the tarmac in front of the plane it's like come with me i can give you anything i've been there all i want is you but it's just one more tour then i'll be back and then she says but i won't boom Oh, it's fantastic. And then, of course, you know, a few days later, she's hears a song on the radio and she undrops the mic. She pulls a fast U-turn in her convertible, heads back to the airport. True love. It's made out of nothing at all. Plus a unrefundable airfare to wherever Air Supply is playing that night. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So I have to talk about the car because you know me. It's a Fiat 124 Spider. Fiat made almost 200,000 of these cars between 1966 and 1985. So that particular one is probably not worth much more than the average one is. But they're a nice little project car if you're looking for something to get into the classic car restoration hobby. Huh, nice. Yeah. And one other thing that's worth mentioning, if you only watch 10 seconds of this video, watch the first 10 seconds because the yellow leather jacket that the woman who plays his girlfriend, who's actually his wife, Jody, the jacket she's wearing at the beginning of the video is on point. It okay. is amazing. <laughs> but also, once you're done with that, Google making love out of nothing at all, literal version, and enjoy one of life's greatest majesties. Oh my gosh. I want to stop the pod right now so I can go watch it. No, seriously. But because I'm dedicated to the show, I won't do that. So, have you seen our infomercial? No. What's it for? It's classic soft rock on 10 CDs. That's so awesome, I can't watch the road. And if you call now, we'll pay shipping and handling. Why, that's a savings of nearly $15. (laughs) So what's next? I know we have six. What's the sixth one? Tell me. Tell me now. Steve, do you want to ask me what kept this out of number one? Hey, before we move on to your last pick, which song kept this out of number one? I know. I gushed a lot about that song. I apologize. This track was kept out of the top of the charts by none other than Bonnie Tyler with Total Eclipse of the Heart.
weird video. Yeah. And Islands in the Stream by Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton. Islands in the Stream, that is what we are. hope we talked about this on the kenny rogers memorial i'm sure we did i'm sure we did yeah. by the way also by all means google bonnie tyler literal vi- literal version and you will find another fantastical uh farce of a video well there's a lot to her. work with there a lot a lot in fact you've given me a game plan for the rest of tonight once we're done with this uh buffoonery <laughs> oh yeah i got some ribs on the barbecue but since it's 117 i didn't actually have to light the grill that's nice so what is the final sixth song from 1983 that got to number two, but no further? Steve, say it isn't so, Steve. It's this from Hollow Notes. Yeah, it's Say It Isn't So, I tried to make a very weak pun there. I apologize. This is, as it turns out, another new song on a Greatest Hits compilation track. And believe it or not, Hall Notes stuck two on their 1983 release, Rock and Soul Part 1. You're going to ask me what the other one is. I am. Do you know what it is? I, it's, let's see. 19... You're going to need to get some schooling. Adult Education is the other one? Winner! I, I could have sworn I could have sworn that was on a studio album. Wow! No, adult okay, education. Well, there you go. Yeah. So Excellent. again, I think it's a gamble, but again, I think this works out. I think this holds up. It was written by Daryl Hall during their H two O tour and recorded. Honestly, it was recorded in September of nineteen eighty three, so right before the that album hit the streets at Electric Lady Studios in New York, site of the recordings of many, many, many famous albums including your favorite steve kisses destroyer album uh also foreigner four uh, rebel yell the clash of sandinista i mean the list is just it's not endless because all things end but it's pretty long the video again i keep going to the video the video is pretty typical 1983 stuff it's an intercut of footage of the band performing the song various places although there was one that kind of caught my eye there on a dock and like you know you know they're lip syncing because nobody's plugged into anything there's not an amplifier anywhere in sight and the sax player who in this this part of the shot doesn't have anything to play is wearing this long fur pimp coat and these orange shoes and he's just grooving the hell out of it with this big old tenor sax he's got nothing to do but dance with a saxophone and he's doing it he's earning his paycheck yeah it's a good song i i saw them on the h2o tour so that's you know definitely maybe you inspired the song steve There's this guy with a mustache up in section 102 who's weeping as we're playing Sarah Smile. Really? Oates Oates is like, say it isn't so. And Daryl's like, hang on a second. (laughs) Say that again. (laughs) So believe it or not, there are some through lines in this podcast. This did hit number one on another chart in the U.S., and not the adult contemporary, which is where you would expect it to go. The remix by John Jellybean Benitez, yes, yeah, Steve, Madonna's boyfriend, hit the top of the dance charts at the end of 1983. Weird. Back yeah. when I could still dance. But again, I, this is not like a peppy, upbeat, finger yeah. snap and dance tune. I guess it's okay. The saxophone player could dance to it. Yeah, even I can dance to it. Like Again, a candidate for the wedding playlist, I'm telling you. 
Say it isn't so, Spearsy. Put it on the list. <laughs> That's going to send all sorts of messages. We probably shouldn't be making these jokes. This is one of those podcasts where I tell her, uh, hey, future wife, you know, episode. Uh, <clears throat> uh, it's for, terrible. Uh, Just jump over there. It's terrible. One. It's not really. It's it's all insider jokes. You don't want to listen to it. Oh, uh, oh my gosh, Steve. I got a text message this week from my mom. And she says, by the way, tell Steve congratulations on his engagement. And I'm like, excuse me? Like, what? you've been listening to the show? And she's like, oh, yeah, I went back and listened to your your cruise broadcast. She called them broadcasts, which I found amusing. And I'm like, <laughs> Oh no! Is she listening to the show again? She's like, "Oh, I check in on it from time to time." I'm like, oh, great. So anyway, um, my mom says congratulations. No, oh, that's sweet. Yeah, funny. My mom listens to the cruise episodes too for some reason. I don't know why. I guess because I don't email her that week. So hey, we never do mention the cruise anymore. It's still happening. It's just it's been moved to March 2022, and it's right. all the same original lineup. And Brad and I will be there. We'll be doing. And we will be ready for a drink. Yeah. We're ready for a drink, and we will have had a year and a half to work on, or two years to work on trivia, so they better be pretty entertaining. So hopefully you'll join us. And we're back. Steve, this song was kept out by another duet, although there's not as much in the catalog from these two. I I can't play this because this song makes my skin leave my body. This is Say, Say, Say by Michael Jackson and Paul McCartney that did the deed here. Say, say, say. That's the lead single from McCartney's Pipes of Peace album, which I understand is okay. I love it. These two had a pretty fruitful collaboration. I really do not like any of their stuff, but I'm clearly voting against the masses here because there are a lot of very popular songs. This was six weeks at number one and uh, has a pretty fun video. I like videos that tell stories. This one has a story. Maybe maybe I like the video better than a song. You know what else I like better than the song? The, the Seggies. What's happening, hot stuff? Ah, by the sound of the gong, it must be time for mystery movie moment. My favorite three words to say together. I swear. I don't know why. There's a lot of things I don't know why about, and that's just, that's somewhere in the mid-teens. I'm just saying. I'm falling apart. Okay. It's been a long day in front of the microphone. Will someone please bring me back on course? What are we talking about, Brad? Mystery movie moment, Steve, okay. where we play a clip of a movie and you write in and tell us what it is. Oh, take it from here. You're doing so well. Let's take a listen to last week's clip. David, what were those strange sounds? Strange sounds? That's Flight of the Navigator. I remember why I picked this clip. It's one of those movies that everyone is always emailing about, suggesting that we watch it and or do a show about it. And it was one of those movies that, I don't know how you feel about it, but it was just, it was... We were too old at that point. I've never seen but it. I've never seen it either. I, I've seen clips of it. In fact, the, the the clip that I took for this was like one of the only clips I could find on YouTube. I'm like, oh, well, there we go. Clip accomplished. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> we're such phonies and frauds. Anyway, um, well, actually, because you know. Brad did the first part, I get to do the second. Winners include Chris Cooling, who always gets these right. I mean, he's just it's just a done deal. In fact, pretty soon we're just going to announce this as the Chris Cooling Memorial uh, Mystery Movie Moment. Did uh, he die? Joseph Perdue. <laughs> no. Well, you don't have to. You shouldn't have to die. Well, then, then it would be great. Then it would be honorary. Then it would be honorary. If he's alive, it's oh. honorary. If he's dead, it's memorial. Okay. Come on, try to keep cool. up here, Spiracy. There are rules. Chris, if you're not dead, are you cool with that being called the Chris Cooling Honorary? Or would you rather have the TV Seggy named after you? I think He'd you might probably rather that. have the TV Seggy, yeah. Understandable. I'm going to focus. I swear to God, I'm going to focus and we're going to get through this. Stay on target. <laughs> Stay on target. Cut the shot already, too. Joseph Perdue, Brock in North Dakota, Darren in Yukaipa. Is that right? Yukaipa? 
Yeah. Did I get it right? You got it. Actually. You did. Fletcher McNair, which sounds like such a great character name for an 80s movie. I just got to say that It right really now. does. I think he's a gumshoe, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Kind of down Fletcher on his luck. McNair. Private Dick. Christian Lopez. Jeremy and St. Pete. Tom Korn in Austria, who taught us how to make uh, Ryan Spritzers last week. So that was fun. Jeff in Utah, Jonathan in New York, Tracy in Winnipeg, Ryan the Pirate King in Orlando, who I'm, I am st- I still need to hang out with. I just uh, – we're all in quarantine hell. And it's not Alex, a good time. And Alex, who writes, that was Flight of the Navigator. Paul Rubin's best, maybe second best if you want to like the Mystery Men movie, and maybe the 80s best time travel movie. What? Yes, I said that. Back to the future fans. Wow. Alex mm, is full of a lot of rage. He's, Alex is staking out at some some territory here. Yeah, that's um, that's quite a stream you're uh, pumping out there. I'm just saying. He also says 100% Sarah Jessica Parker's best movie. Well, uh, sure wasn't Girls Wanna Just Wanna Have Fun. So I'm gonna uh, give you that yeah. one. Yeah. Anyway, before I completely fall off target, pay attention. Here's this week's mystery movie. Commander, we have traveled halfway around the world. To learn how our forces will interface with yours to help destroy Carrera. I hope your plan reflects greater precision than we have seen so far. If you know it, email us at podcast at sid80s.com. Send in some riddling, something, anything to get me back on course. And tune in soon to find out if you're a winner. The tuneful stylings indicate that it's time for Name That 80s Tune. Yes, it's the signature, Saggy, here at Stuck in the 80s, and we're so excited to have you along today. We're going to check out last week's clip and see if you recognize it now. Yep, here we go. That's Robert De Niro's Waiting by Bananarama. Love this song. I'm still not really 100% ready to forgive them for the cruise thing. I'm not either. I'm not not even like 5% ready. I'm just saying. Yeah. So. But this is that song, and it is by them, and it is a notable song, and some people recognized (laughs) it. Steve, would you like to read the short list of winners? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Why not? Uh, Winners this week include Chris B. Critter. Oh, great. We haven't heard from him in a while. Dan in Omaha. New Wave Todd. Scott Rubenstein and Mark Graham in Minnesota. Nice. Time yeah. to spin the wheel. Can so I spin the wheel? Can I spin gonna the wheel? The, you want to spin the wheel for us, Steve? Yes. Here we go. Ready? I, I, I crashed yeah. my bicycle this last week, and I'm literally bruised on every limb, and I have uh, – what's it called? The the road rash on all my major joints, but I still can spin the wheel. Uh, Are you ready? Abrasions and contusions. Yes. That's exactly what it is. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> That hurt. Ooh. Oh. A little tinnitus, I'll too. Get, I'll, I'll send some Arnica cream over for you. Is that what you... I've just been pouring hydrogen peroxide on it. Well, that would probably work, too. I don't know. I'm so, not a doctor. It was it was an epic, the, epic crash. It was the first... Did, you, did you really? You weren't making that up. No, no. No, seriously. I, I, I was riding it. It's the very first time I've been, I rode this new bike that I bought. And I haven't owned a bike in probably like thirty years. And <laughs> I'm sorry, it's so not it's so not nice to laugh at you for that. But I'm just I know. Like, in fact, the I'm wheel. on my new bike. I'm on my new bike. I think I'll ride through this gravel field. 
<laughs> it, I just I crashed on the trail, and I and hang on, hang on a second. Keep the wheel going so that I can tell the end of the story. And uh, oh, thank no, you. I, I I I came. I was coming to an intersection. I hit the brakes, and the the wheel and the handlebars went in different directions, and I could not cover. I went into a flat spin, and I hopped on one foot for a couple of seconds, and then gave in to the force of gravity and I've been covering myself with hydrogen peroxide ever since. So nice. Uh, well, I hope I hope you heal up. It looks like the wheel is finally slowing down. You used a lot of energy to get that thing spinning. And it's gonna yeah. stop on Oh, it's Gumshoe Fletcher McNair. Fletcher nice. send in your postal address and we will mail you a postal friendly bottle opener. And by we I mean I will mail you a postal friendly <laughs> yeah. bottle opener. I am hurting too much to go to the mailbox. So it will be Brad. In the meantime, pay attention. Here's this week's mystery clip. If you know it, email us at podcast at sat80s.com and tune in next time to find out if you're a winner. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Oh, Dick. Yes. What are you doing in the closet? Well, I'm eating uh, junior mints and I don't want to share them. What are junior mints? Soft, creamy mints and real chocolate. Here, you can try one. Mmm. They are creamy and minty. Grab some more? Uh, No, sorry. I can't right now. See you later. Fine. Stay in there, then. Junior Mints. So creamy, so minty, so good, they'll drive you crazy. Soft, creamy mints and real chocolate. Uh, Dick, it's time to go to sleep. Night, honey. You make me feel brand new. And we're back. We have a few minutes left. I thought, um, let's play one of our old favorites. How about a little Please, Please Tell Me Now? Sweet. Please, please. So we get a letter this week from actually it was like from July. I, I'm sorry, I just <laughs> I'm hanging by a very thin thread right now. I literally time is a very strange construct right now. It yeah, is a very strange I, construct. I'm covered with bandages, covered with bandages, and um, no pain pills. Life yes. is a cookie. Life is a cookie. I just saw it crumble. Kelly and Huntsville wrote us asking, "Hey guys, so the other week I was in a co-op and I picked up some natural breath spray." When I gave it a try, I was immediately taken back to my middle grade years and using Banaka. For some reason, it was really popular at my school in the early 80s. Was that just a Phoenix thing or was it popular everywhere? Anyway, it got me wondering if there's any tastes that bring you right back to the 80s and good stories associated with those memories. Hmm. Well, yes, to answer your question, Banaka was a big thing in Florida. It was a big thing in Western Oklahoma too, yeah. Even us stung rubes had access to it. Yeah. I I'm more of a fan of gum. Like, you know, I, I I'll eat gum like crazy to keep my breath fresh. But but not brushing your teeth. teeth. Well, there's that. But if you can't brush your teeth, <laughs> chewing gum. I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm a mint guy. Uh, I don't like chewing gum because my stomach gets angry with me. It's like you've been chewing for twenty minutes. Are you gonna send anything down? <laughs> that's weird. That's the weirdest story I've heard from you today. And it, I get that, really hungry. A- when I chew gum, it makes me really hungry. It's, they say it's supposed to do the opposite. They say that chewing gum is supposed to make you not so hungry. Dude, I'm a mutant. <laughs> just just so. look at the music I listen to. Come on, I'm a yes. complete freak show. That's true. So the answer she's looking for, for me, it'd be a, a cherry icy or even the Coke flavor that you would get from either the movie theater or the convenience store where they sometimes be called a slush puppy. Oh, and yeah, sure. I, even today, like I remember the last time I went to a movie theater, which was, you know, obviously in the before time many months ago, I almost always still get an icy and I almost always regret it like four sips into it because I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's 
<laughs> like, wow, brain freeze. Yeah, brain freeze in my 53-year-old stomach is just like, that. Ah, this is not what we talked about earlier today when you had the Metamucil. <laughs> so <laughs> remember the conversation we had in the bathroom? Yeah. Oh, do I. Remember, yeah, remember, remember the idea that we eat more salads? <laughs> Apparently, you've decided to, to screw me on that. Anyway, I looked it up. Uh, the IC was actually invented in the late 50s by a Dairy Queen owner in huh. Kansas. It turns out his soda machine broke. And so he started placing bottles of soda in the freezer to keep them cold. But when he opened up the bottles, slush would just pour out. But it became oh. so popular among the customers that it became a regular uh, menu item. And thus was born the Icy. That's actually pretty great. I like that. Brad, what about you? For me, it is also a drink-based memory. And that would be the Sonic Drive-In Cherry Limeade. Oh. Wow. So good. Never been to a Sonic. You have to remember, you, you need to, if this doesn't make sense to you, you're living in some small podunk town in Oklahoma. Yeah, my right hand is raised. Sonic is, or at least was, and before Arby's bought them, headquartered in Oklahoma, in Oklahoma City. So all the small towns in, in Oklahoma had a Sonic. So you may not have a McDonald's. You probably didn't have a Burger King, but you had a Sonic. So going to Sonic is just something you did. Um, and the Cherry Limeade is one of their drinks, kind of a signature drink. You know, it's a... That's what it sounds like, but you get the pellet ice and the foam cup, and back in the day, you get a little plastic, uh, little plastic animal on the rim of the cup. Oh, so very nice. Oh, really? I didn't uh, know about that. And yeah, well, I don't think they do that anymore. But the town I grew up in, Sonic was one anchor end of the dragging main route, so you would drive up, turn around at Sonic, and you go to the other end of the strip, and turn around. So I spent a fair bit of time not only at Sonic enjoying the food, which is it's a miracle didn't kill me as much of it as I've eaten but also just wearing out the asphalt in their parking lot. <laughs> nice. Great story. Great question, Kelly. Thanks for asking. I'm, yeah. Uh, I haven't thought about Bianca in decades, so that's, that's yeah, fun. Yeah, either. But I can hear the little sound it makes in my, in my mind. Hey, Brad, we got any new Patreons this week? Uh, you know, as we mentioned, we are recording less than 24 hours after we finished recording the previous one, but... 80s Nation, you guys are amazing. We do have a new supporter to thank. Steve and I would very much like to thank our new supporter, Paul Tamore, for backing us on Patreon. We are truly grateful for the support. Yes, thank you for everyone. If you become a patron, we we try to have some regular Zoom happy hours where you, we just, just a small group of us talk and you can ask questions or share stories or make suggestions on the show or tell tell me to tell calm down. Tell us how stupid we are. Tell me how to, how to treat road rash better than using hydrogen peroxide. What is the floor is Just yours. Roll around in a roll around in tax. I think that would be yeah. good. Yeah, and we'll have some uh, special thank you gifts too here shortly. I just ordered some this week. But uh, oh, nice. In the meantime, please consider the playlist for this week as a as a mini gift for you and a, a little podcast time machine trip back to the year 1983, uh, because that's where Brad and I are always and hopelessly stuck in the 80s. <laughs> Stuck in the 80s is now on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash stuck in the 80s podcast. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music. And thanks for listening.